This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Memorial Day Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson Stremski. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And all in all, pretty damn good weekend of New York sports, starting, of course, with the fact that the New York Rangers live to die another day after what was a pretty complete and a pretty thorough whooping of the Carolina Hurricanes by the score of 5-2. to two. It was really one of those games that was never in doubt from a Rangers perspective. They scored early. Ronta played terribly. I mean, let up two of the softest goals that you are ever going to see, and it kind of set a tone for this game. And really, the tone for this entire series has been home ice has dictated the terms. Now, does it help that the kid line was back together? Filipino ends up scoring two goals. That's great to see. Zibanejad scoring his seventh goal of the postseason. Fabulous. Since game five of the Pittsburgh series, he's been the guy he was in the regular season. So all in all, a lot to like there. A lot to like there. But the bottom line for the Rangers is this. They need to show and they need to prove that they can go and win a game in Carolina, which has been a house of horrors for them. Starting with game one, then following up game two, not scoring with the four-minute power play, 
Game five, they get outshot by basically 20 goals. Rangers haven't been good enough in Carolina. Why do I think it can be different in game seven? I'm going to tell you why. The goaltender. Igor Shosturkin's playing out of his freaking mind, and I don't have confidence in Ronta. I know Ronta has played better at home than he's played on the road. Carolina, as a team, has played much better. Much, much better at home. But the goaltender edge with Shesterkin, I think, is the blueprint and is the formula for the Rangers to go and win this game Monday night. I will be betting on the Rangers. Full disclosure, I thought Carolina was going to win this series. I thought they were going to win this series in six. The fact that the Rangers have gotten it to a game seven, I have a funny feeling. I have a weird suspicion they are going to break through and they're going to get to the conference finals. So there's your spoiler alert. I'm betting the Rangers. I'm cashing the plus money, and we're going to have one hell of a Memorial Day Monday. So fired up about a Game 7. How can you not be? Game 7s are just absolutely amazing. We'll get to the other one that was played in the NBA in a matter of moments. But before we do a little Jimmy Butler in the heat and the Celtics, how about the New York freaking Mets? Now, let me say this about the Philadelphia Phillies. They stink, okay? That Philly team plays defense that wouldn't look good on one of the Sandlot fields throughout the five boroughs. I mean, they basically gave the Mets three runs in the first inning right out of the gate. I mean, the Schwarber play misjudging the gear, make double. What is Reese Hoskins doing at first base? Uh, just a shoddy, pathetic defense. That's the Phillies' M.O. all year. The Mets are vastly superior to the Philadelphia Phillies almost every which way. Every which way. They are vastly superior to Philadelphia. But this game Sunday night, it symbolizes in many ways what the Mets are bringing to the table. Adovino, who stinks and can't get big outs and should not be trusted, ask Simmons and ask me and ask any other Yankee fan, you don't trust Adovino in big games. He gives up the three-run bomb to Castellanos. You're thinking, oh, geez, this is going to be a bad loss. Fast forward to the bottom half of the ninth inning. Ninth inning, Mets down a run in a game the Phillies absolutely, positively have to have. Nick Plummer. Again, I consider myself a savant with baseball. I talk about it nonstop on the pod. I talk about it nonstop on television. I, I, I fill in time to time on a baseball night in New York show, hosting. I, I do it five to six times a month. I had no idea who Nick Plummer was before tonight. Not the slightest idea. I was like, who the hell is that? He hits a game-tying home run against Canable. When guys like Nick freaking Plummer are hitting home runs to tie a game, you got something special cooking. And then the extra innings, Escobar. Makes the snow cone catch on Schwaber and then walks it off in the bottom half of the inning. The Mets have everything cooking right about now. And this is the biggest lead they've ever had in first place on Memorial Day. Let that sink in for a moment. Bigger than the 86 Mets, for goodness sakes. They're doing this without the Grom for the last couple of weeks. They're doing it without Scherzer. Bassett was really, really good after being really lousy against San Francisco. That's why I'm not the least bit concerned about Bassett. He's healthy. He's going to pitch at a high level for this team. And they're extremely dangerous. 
They're going to fatten up on the Nationals this week. And then we get ready for a potential playoff preview, maybe an NLCS preview, with the Mets and the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine Thursday through Sunday of next week. That is going to be some high-level, big-boy type of baseball. Now, Yankees. I said on this show Thursday night that I would sign on the dotted line without hesitation for a split. And you know what? The baseball gods got to me. Because after Nesta Cortez was brilliant on Thursday, and then Jamison Tyon had his best start as the New York Yankee, the Yankees have a lead in the sixth inning. Garrett Cole gets squeezed a little bit with a one-run lead. Kind of unnerves him a little bit. Ends up giving up the tying run. Yankees give up some cheap hits and lose in the later innings of the game. And then the Yankees proceed not to score for Luis Severino, who don't even, if you didn't watch the game, you're going to look at his stat line and his box score, and you're going to be like, oh, six and a third, four runs, mediocre start. He gave up two runs in the sixth inning, basically after walks in the seventh inning with Aaron Boone trying to push him. Great. Aside from that, he gave up two hits the whole damn game. They just happened to leave the yard. The reason the Yankees did not have a monster weekend and had a so-so weekend, they have not hit away. Now, they don't have Stanton. Huge loss. They don't have Donaldson. Huge loss. Well, Mayu's just getting back. Anthony Rizzo, my guy, the Paisan. He's been in a major funk. I mean, Anthony Rizzo, as good as he was in the month of April, his batting average is under 220 right now, for goodness sakes. So Rizzo's got to get it going. But then you get to the dead weight that's in this lineup. And listen, it's pretty simple. The, the Yankees have two outfielders that have no business being in everyday lineups. That's Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo. They are atrocious. I don't want to hear Aaron Hicks hit the ball hard today. Whoop the freaking do. There's a situation. It was up with first and second, nobody out. I wanted him to bunt, for goodness sakes. With IKF up next, I was like, yeah, he should bunt with the way he's playing, with the way he's performing. And I don't like to be the, the guy cheering on the bunt parade because I hate it. It's old man radio. It's old man nonsense. It bothers me to no end. He should have bunted there. He, he really should have. The Yankees need to go and get themselves an outfielder. In reality, they probably got to get themselves two outfielders. One who can be an, a, an everyday regular outfielder, please, Andrew Benintendi. And then maybe somebody who can fill in from time to time. Tell you this, rather see Brett Gardner and Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo. It's not even close. I'll take the corpse of Brett Gardner over those two guys. So the Yankees continue to pitch. The lineup right now is a work in progress. Gleyber Torres, to me, is a real positive sign. Glaber hitting for power is a real positive sign, but I'll sign for this play. With the team being the way that they are, the lineup being the way that it is, I'm okay splitting these four with Tampa. But the Yankees need the cavalry returning sooner rather than later because otherwise they will be exposed in a couple of these games. Angels this week, a lot of fun with Otani and Trout in town Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we will be at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to it. Tuesday night we'll have a live. But Wednesday night, it will be at Yankee Stadium. So if the Rangers are playing, well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I might be in a DVR situation, but we'll uh, we'll save that for another day. Let's get, let's get there first, right? First world problems. Let's get there first. All right, one quick note before Anthony McCarron and some voicemails. Game seven, Heat Celtics. The Celtics were clearly the better team. The Celtics got off to an extremely fast start. Their role players were ready to go. Miami, for three quarters of this game, had two guys who showed up. It was Jimmy Butler, and it was Bam Adebayo. And 
I'm amazed, quite frankly, the final four minutes of that game played out the way that it did. Because the Celtics were up comfortably, 11 points, 9 points. I mean, you look at the fourth quarter of that game, it was over. Over, 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 over. What do I mean? With two minutes to play, two and a half minutes to play, if you want to be specific, Boston's up 11. Two minutes to play, they're up nine. Minute and a half left, they're up nine. Boston ran some of the dumbest plays and had some of the lowest basketball IQ that you will ever see with some of the shots they were putting up, specifically Smart, who had about two or three major brain farts that if Boston loses that game, you're sick to your stomach over. And I like Smart. He's a badass. He's super tough. He's an unbelievable defender. But my goodness, some of those shots he was yucking up, it's like, Marcus, what the fuck are you doing, dude? What are you doing? And then you see Struess hit a big three. And you see Butler make a big play. And then Oladipo's driving in a bucket, even though he couldn't do much. When that is a two-point game, and Jimmy Butler is coming down with Al Horford backpedaling. You're saying, holy shit, is Miami going to win this game? And was it a great shot from Jimmy Butler, considering Horford's backpedaling, considering he probably could have drawn a foul or flew right by him, whatever the case may be? It's not the greatest of shots, but it's Jimmy freaking Butler. He's taking that shot. And I also think it tells you point blank, Butler knew we can't play five minutes with these guys. We're not good enough that this is our moment, that this is our chance. They have basically put, with a bone ribbon in a bouquet, a chance to steal the Eastern Conference Finals. I got to take this three. From that standpoint, and considering who took the shot, I can't get on Jimmy Butler. You want to tell me Victor Oladipo is pulling a stunt like that and is taking that shot. I'm going to roast him until the cows come home. With the way Jimmy Butler carried the Miami Heat all postseason and the way he carried them, in this particular conference finals, in the games that they won, it's shot you got to live with. But reality is, we're getting a much better NBA finals because the Heat, with their limited offensive capabilities, they would not have been able to handle the Golden State Warriors. Boston has a far better chance to do so. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm not rooting for the Warriors in any way, shape, or form. I'll be rooting for the Celtics. I will be rooting for the Celtics. It sounds dirty. I know a lot of people listening to New York, New York are going to be like, JJ, that is a sin. How dare you? Shame on you. But hey, money talks. I will be on the Celtics. I think they are winning the series. I think they are the more complete team. And I know I'm going against the grain here. But you heard it here first. Celtics in six. Remember I said it. All right. When we come back, Anthony McCarron was with me. We had some fun here at SNY. Pretty giddy win for the New York Mets. And Anthony McCarron, who has been this longtime baseball scribe, is now a hockey extraordinaire. We'll get into that. And the Tony Puck's phenomenon. So Anthony McCarron, voicemails, all that more coming up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
What a weekend of baseball. What a weekend for the New York Mets. We're just getting off of SNY, so the makeup is fresh. And for the first time, Anthony McCarron, my good pal, we are in person having one of these conversations. So welcome again. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great, JJ. Thanks for having me. And you're right. I mean, in person is ideal. Absolutely. I know you have to see me way too often. So now that I have to add to that, I apologize in advance. That means, we're, that means we're making TV magic together, JJ. I don't mind at all. Well, and even the makeup was magic considering I covered up this little zit, which is a story for a different day. But Anthony, in all seriousness, how about this Met team? Think about what this Met team had going the last two years. They would find ways to lose these sort of games. And when Adovino gives up that three-run bomb in the eighth inning, other Met teams in years past just saying, it's over, it's done, this is going to be the story, this is going to be the, the moment that you think about. This Met team says, the hell with that. We're going to get guys off the street that are going to hit game-tying home runs. We're going to win the game. Right. Nick Plummer, where where, where did he come from? Well, right? I mean, where it, did he come it's from? It's a great moment. Uh, it's a great uh, thing by the front office with depth, right? Because you look for guys like that to sign in case something happens at the major league level. And and that's what they did with Nick Plummer. And, and he, he turned out to come up in the right moment and have his moment. And look, I mean, I know we throw around the team of destiny type, uh, you know, things all the time, JJ, right? I mean, you know, and we're looking for ways to brand teams, teams of destiny. But this is the kind of stuff to me that happens for those kinds of teams, right? A guy that you don't expect to have an impact like that has an impact. And it's happened before with the Mets too. And, you know, they, ha they have shown that they're not out of any game and they're not going to give up. It's not going to be like, oh, well, you know, tonight's not the night for us. Okay, three outs in the ninth and we go home. They're, that's not them. And, you know, even the, the the one against the Giants recently where they came raging sure, back and they lost. That game. Now they yeah. lost that game, but when you're down eight to two in the eighth inning or eight to two in the seventh inning, Anthony, 90% of the time it's a turn the TV off. Right. Not with this group. Right, right, exactly. And look, I mean, we we all are in love with that part of them, uh, of, of these Mets, right? The fight and the the, the, the no give up and, the, and that sort of thing and the comebacks because they're all great stories. They're great stories to talk about. They're great for the if it happens, you know, sort of postseason video, you know, that, uh, you know, then go back and look at the these montages, moments. The montage, yeah, that's it. Gotta that's the word I'm looking for. montage. But we can't, we can't skip over the fact that they have played excellent baseball the entire season as well. And that's part of the way you get to be a team that does that. Yeah, you have the fight, but yeah, you have a lot of talent too. And they are very talented and they've got guys who, sort of know their roles and are okay to play those roles and they're thriving in those roles. And it's, you know, they've got a great manager in Buck Showalter. Uh, they've pitched even though their two top aces are down. And then the surprise ace, Tyler McGill, is down also. They've maintained elite, their lead in the NL East. They've maintained great starting pitching even, even with that, uh, you know, facing them. You know, we'll see how they handle ultimately all these bullpen challenges, which are going to loom for them during the season. But right now, this is an excellent baseball team, JJ. I mean, we can't we can't team that's overlook capable that. Of winning the whole thing, no yes. doubt about it. Yes. They are capable. And we talked about this on the show earlier today. I can't believe on Memorial Day, this team has a greater division lead than the '86 Mets, for goodness sakes. And look, I think Atlanta is going to play better ball. They have too much talent. They have pedigree. They've won it. I'm proclaiming that the Phillies are dead. From what I saw, and you know what it is, Anthony. They built a beer league softball team. They have a lot of hitting, like on the surface. You sign Kyle Schwarber, great move. You sign Nick Castellanos, 
great move. You have Harper. You have all these bats. But, like, the first inning alone, you play competent quality defense. The Mets aren't scoring three runs. And you got a ten-and-a-half game deficit. I know their schedule is easier. I think the Phillies are cooked, dude. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I uh, picked them to grab the third wild card in the NL before the season, JJ. I don't know. I apparently Not had a... that outrageous, though. No, but now I, now I feel like it was outrageous. I feel like a moron now because of that, you know? And, and uh, like, I, I sort of defended them the other day on, on uh, BNNY, uh, another, you know, the other SMY show. I believe you hosted that version. I where think we, I did. Yeah, yeah we, we talked not. about the, the Phillies. Are they still possibly a threat? And I was like, yes, they're still a threat. Look at the offense, you know, because they do have good offense. But, of course, then they make me look bad by going right away and just they've like blown up the fielding their fielding problems to like the 29th nth degree you know and, and it's just it was so much worse over the weekend and that incredible play i can't remember who they were playing but where you know they were kicking the ball around last week and it was like the biggest blooper uh reel of, of all time maybe or at least recent vintage um they've been so bad in the field that they, that you know i can't blame you for writing them off i mean i still think they may hit their way into being, you know, in the mix somebody who, com- yeah, a team that you look at. in contention, whatever the hell you want to call it. But they're not catching the Mets, and I don't think they're as good as the Braves. No, and, they're not as good as the Braves. And if you look up and down the NL, there are three teams in the West. Dodgers, Padres, who are off to a nice start. Giants, who, even though they lost two out of three to the lowly Reds, they're still a team that I think is going to play north of 500. And then you got the Brewers and the Cardinals. I don't see how the Phillies work their way into that equation. No, I think you're probably right. And it's, you know, there is a lot of turmoil there. I think it was, I can't remember who wrote the story, but there was some story about, you know, family members of the Phillies telling them like, gosh, sometimes you guys don't look like you're having any fun out there. And some of the players agreeing and they're like, then they're like doing this introspection. I'm sure like, Girardi loved that when he Yeah, exactly. So sure he was thrilled. They have some issues there in Philly, um, you know, beyond the, the iron gloves that they've got. And, and you know, so if they can work their way out of it, it would be a big, it would be a big ass. All right. So what's a bigger concern for you right now from a Mets perspective? Is it the health and the status of what we're looking at with the Grom and Scherzer in the long term? Or is it this bullpen where outside of Edwin Diaz, you are searching for answers? I, I think Lugo's been better, but still, you do not have that kind of pecking order that you want to have that championship caliber teams normally have. What would be keeping you up more from a Mets perspective? Well, I mean, we've been assured that the two big aces are going to be back at some point. Um, you know, look, because of the talent of Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, they, that has to be the answer. Because if they don't get them back, then we have to rearrange our thinking about the way they could pitch in, in an October series, you know, assuming they get there, which they clearly are pointed in that direction now. So, you know, with those two fronting the rotation, they become maybe the most dangerous team in baseball because, you know, how would you like to play a short series and have to face at least one of those guys twice? And then if you go into a deeper series than that, you're getting them both twice, maybe another one a third time. And then you're throwing in a guy like Bassett exactly. number three who's right. really crafty and really good. Right. So that's the those the health of those two guys is paramount to me. But the bullpen is a, is a problem, I think. They don't have the depth. They've already dipped into the minors now. Colin Holderman has been excellent so far. Maybe he's a find. And that would be great if, for them if they were. But they the the pecking order has changed a great deal. Uh, you know, Drew Smith's got a dislocated finger now uh, off of the game Sunday. So we'll see what that how that manifests itself going forward. But look, I thought they were shy even before Trevor May went down 
in the bullpen. I thought they needed something there extra. Uh, in today's game, because of injuries, because of the pandemic seasons that are already in the bank and the reverberations that are rippling through pitching staffs right now, you don't know how many relievers you're going to need. Pitchers in general, but relievers certainly. There's going to be up and down, and and you're going to have to get guys. So I think they need to make moves there. I don't know if moves are available, JJ, right now because I don't think other teams are willing to give up on their season because you got months and months, a month of the summer to sell tickets to your fans. I would say at least another month before you. Yeah, talk about ab- that. absolutely. Because you want to tell me if, end of June, beginning of July, sure. Not yeah, now. You no, know, not now because I mean, you if you're an owner of a team and you start trading pieces away now, you're telling fans don't come because we stink and we're giving up. And, you know, I mean, these are businessmen who made their money to buy the baseball team by being good businessmen. And that's not good business. So I put the kibosh in the air on the Yankees. So I tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but I sent it out around six o'clock on Thursday. I said, look, Tampa's been a house of horrors for the Yankees. If they come away with a split, I'm not going to have anything to complain about, period, end of discussion. I got to stand by that. But Anthony, (laughs) when you win the first two games, and Cortez does what he's able to do on Thursday. And then on Friday, Jamison Tyon pitched the best game I've ever seen him pitch as a Yankee. And then Cole has a one nothing lead in the sixth inning on Saturday. You want to get greedy there. And look, the Yankee pitching was exemplary. The Yankee bats, though, without Stanton, without Donaldson, they look weak. Yeah, I agree. But that's I think that's because of the injuries. I mean, we can't look at this as the complete product now. I mean, they do have, and I'll, I'll give you your chance to take a swing at those two pinstripe pinatas, oh, the favorites. Listeners, have you have you heard well, any of this well, in the past? You know what, how about, how, <laughs> but, let me phrase it to you this way with Gal and Hayes. I'm going to try to somehow, some way paint a rosy picture with them, even though I don't believe it's the case. If you were going to sell me on right now, buying stock, and Aaron Hicks or Joey Gallo to turn their season around? What's more likely in your opinion? Oh, Joey Gallo to me. I because of the back of the baseball card? And because the power, I think he has the, He has a skill that, you know, look, he's not making enough contact. That's clear. You know, he's the king of the three true outcomes nowadays. He does walk, though, which is a positive. Aaron Hicks walks too, but he's, you know, and that's why he's got some sort of stats now, um, you know, that aren't completely awful. Uh, but, you know, Gallo is a good, you know, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but he's a good base runner and he's a very good outfielder. And and those are things that are positives to me. And, and you know, at some point he's going to run into the ball and he's going to wreck a game or two. And if it happens against the Blue Jays or the Rays, so much the better for the Yankees. I, I just think that he'd be the guy that I'd be more interested in keeping over, over if it's him versus Hicks. Well, here's the difference, though. He's in the last year of a contract. Hicks they stuck with for the next yes, couple of years. Right. And I wonder with Gallo, is he one of those guys? Listen, he's a flawed player. He brings some positive attributes. The power, the defense, sure. On base, absolutely. But I think New York has spooked him. Because even in the outfield, as good an outfielder as he is, and he won, he's won gold gloves, I don't think he's been the same outfielder, though, with the Yankees that he was in Texas. He strikes me as a guy where New York and the magnitude of playing in New York has gotten to him. Yeah, he he maybe he was a guy who needed to hit five home runs, uh, you know, in, in in the first week that he was here or something like that, and and it would have gone better. Um, I I do feel like uh, you know, JJ, and and maybe you you know you might jump on me for this one, but I feel like there's a certain segment of Yankee fan that like if a guy doesn't doesn't do it immediately, then they need they feel like they need to show how tough it is in New York, and they start booing the guy and. That's not really the best strategy for him act to actually produce for your favorite team. 
I'm not accusing you of that, but I am saying that I feel like that that exists. And maybe that's part of what you're talking about, that he that that happened to him early on. And he he maybe he's never recovered from. Oh, it. I think there's something to be said. Yeah. For that. But then you see a guy like Stanton who had to eat it and had to wear it and right. had to own it and handle himself like a professional. Right. Never well, there's no there's no comparison between well, listen, the two players. Obviously, Stanton is an exemplary yeah. player. Gallo is far more flawed. I totally get yeah. that. But just the overall demeanor and the right. way Stan handled himself. Right. He was so confident in himself where he's like, look, the production's going to be there. The big hits are going to be there. And then after 2020 and then last year up in Boston, right. should have had three home runs in the wildcard game. But that's a story for a different day. <laughs> Stanton has clearly won the Yankee fan over. Look, they need an outfielder, though. So to yeah. me, I'm already starting the campaign. I know it will annoy the Red Sox fan in no end. Wouldn't Ben Attendee fit this team like no, he'd a freaking be, glove? He'd, he'd be really, you know. He'd be perfect. I, I thought they gave up on him too early. The Red Sox, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, and I, I really didn't, you know, when that happens, you always wonder, like, is there something that we don't know, you know, that they know that we don't know, or do they just not believe in him or what, whatever. But yeah, he'd be a great get for them, I, I think. Because he's it, speedy, he's right. a good outfielder, and he's a lefty bat. Yeah. He can play center. He's probably better in left. But yes. you think about the Yankees at their best, they're going to have Judge in center field, and they're going to have Stan in the outfield. Right. I would assume that is going to be like the playoff lineup. Standing in the outfield has worked. He's played he, well. Yeah, he and rakes. not only that, he's more comfortable as a hitter when he plays right. the outfield. Right. So I got to take that into account too with the Absol- Yankees. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So if there's one thing the Yankees should be looking to get between now and July 31st, would you say outfielder? I would say right now, outfielder, yes. Um, I, I, you know, they, their, their bullpen depth is is being tested right now, obviously because of all the injuries. Uh, I thought, you know, before the season, I, I feel like the Yankees have de- done a really good job lately, and you can't always have said this, but uh, of developing arms. Oh, and especially so, in the bullpen. Yes. And you don't. Tr- if I'm a team, Anthony, and the Yankees call and Cashman calls about a reliever, you hang up the phone. Right. After what he did with Clay Holmes, that's it. You hang up. You do not have that. Yep. Like when Tampa calls. Mm, I don't yeah, right. You hang up the phone and then you go to your player development people. Joe Shablotnik's the next Clay Holmes. The Yankees just called about him. So come on. It's true. And Holmes last year, I remember there was a sentiment of Yankee fans. They loved Park because he was like this versatile lefty utility yeah. guy. They're like, why did they trade? Well, I think Cashman is going to win that trade. Yeah. But was- they, as good as Holmes has been with the loss of green. With Chapman being on the decline right. and Loisica not being as good, yeah. they could be in the market for another. Yeah, and I think they will be ultimately uh, getting another reliever. I mean, that's just something that they seem to be willing to do. Uh, you know, I thought that, look, I I know this isn't a high-level move, but I thought the fact that they brought Shane Green back was a good idea. I liked it. Just yeah, like Carpenter. Right, Why there, not? What is it to lose? Exactly. There's no reason not to. These are depth. These are depth signs that you just you, you need if you need a body who can maybe what if he pitches great for a month and and you know that and, saves arms yep that exactly. saves bullets exactly so uh, you know you get value out of that it uh, it doesn't always have to be and I feel like sometimes people react and sometimes I do it too you know you, you react to an acquisition and you're like why would they do that what's the big like Matt Carpenter his career's over well he hit a home run in his second game as a, as a Yankee helped like, him win a game against the race right that's not nothing you know i mean it may not be great at the end of the year on the back of the baseball card or when you dial up baseballreference.com it may not look be all that eye popping but it's in the moment it's worth something and you know i i feel like the Yankees make a good effort at doing stuff like that Shane Green may turn out to be nothing uh ultimately but he may turn out to come in and have an impact on five games. And hmm, 
That could be something. They look like the team to beat in the American League, but they got to show me they can beat Tampa. Yeah. That's still a question. Yeah. They split this series. I'm okay with it. I'll live with it. The Astros, when they play Houston in a month, that is going to be yeah, must that's gonna see be TV. Good. the back on the mound. Altuve, yeah. all the... All the bells and whistles of playing the Astros. And you know I'm of the mindset of, hey, the Astros beat the Yankees. I don't care if they were cheating or not. Yeah, They beat right, my team. Right. My team scored one run in two games in 2017, and then they yeah. beat them in game six. I defer to the Astros on that. Whether they were cheating or not, be that as it may, yeah, right. they were the better team, and the Yankees got to show they can be and beat Houston at a high level and do it in big spots. Are you buying the Angels yet? You know, I have bought... Because they're playing here this week. Yes, I have bought on the Angels a few times over the past few years, JJ, and they have disappointed me every oh, single time. Face. Yeah, I know. And I keep saying, like, how can Mike Trout not be like leading this, you know, waving a bat, leading this charge into the playoffs? And you know, now they have, you know, Otani and, and Anthony Rendon, and 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 this year I was like, you know what? I'm done buying the Angels. I'm I'm tired of getting fooled. So I was fooled by another team in that division. The, Seattle? The Mariners. Yeah, I got yeah. sucked into Seattle too. Join the club. Yeah, but I lo- I mean, the Angels, look, I, I, I really hope that they are real because I think it- It's would, good for baseball. It, Listen, absolutely. With, with Otani, with Trout, those, those are megastars. Yes. Like the, I, I think baseball would, even the games being late at like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, you have the Yankees and the Angels playing in the playoff series. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's absolutely. a great- yeah. Could you imagine Yankees, Angels, Mets, Dodgers? Ooh. Oh, that'd be, that'd be great. Ooh. That'd be great. Hopefully they correspond and you and I could maybe take some Southern California trips. <laughs> now you're Southern talking. California in October is pretty nice, I hear. I, when I worked at the Daily News, uh, JJ, I had an assignment one year, I think it was 2014, where I covered like playoff games in three different ballparks in Southern California. And did a sidebars at the at Jets Chargers. Oh, nice! And it was like the great one of the great weeks of my career. Uh, you know, because you're I, I was bopping from San Francisco down to Anaheim, Dodger Stadium. It was great. That's a nice That's track. Ideal. I've not been to San Francisco Stadium yet. That oh. is on the list for me. Oh yeah, you should. Next go. time the Yankees, the two that I got to go to, San Fran and Wrigley. Oh, you've never been to Wrigley. Never been to Wrigley. Wrigley is nice. I'm but you know for what? Sit, sit in the stands for Wrigley. Don't, don't, like working there is working there. No, sort I want to enjoy it's, it. It's I want to have a beer, relax yeah, the whole thing. Right. But if you're sitting in the in the ballpark itself, then you get more of the feel. To me, I mean, I've done both. And, um, you know, working there, it's because it's not a modern stadium. And if you're, if you're, you know, used to working in a modern stadium, uh, you know, it's not the same thing. You have to fight through the crowd and, you know, to get down to the clubhouses, which are about as, you know, small as the backpack that, you know, you carried all your equipment in today. And so it's not ideal. And and I'm sure there are people right now saying, listen to this guy complaining about covering something to Wrigley Field. It's like, yes, I get it. But uh, it, but I'm, I'm saying to JJ, experience the ballpark. There you go. And I'm going to take you Instead up on that work advice. Day. Now, yeah. you have a new nickname around here. <laughs> so Anthony McCarron has been covering baseball basically for, what, 20 plus years? Yes. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Going back to when I used to listen to you with John. Yes. And it would either be John. Was it John and Kay or was it At, jo- the, at first, it was John and Michael Kay. Yes. It had to be. Because yeah. I remember, I'd be yeah. like, the Daily News, bottom of the fifth. That's Anthony right. McCarron, let's yeah. go. But now Anthony McCarron, this well-renowned baseball scribe, <laughs> is Tony Pucks around SMI. Uh, because true. you it's are true. back to your hockey roots. <laughs> You've had some fun with the Rangers over the last couple of days. Yeah. Has it been a blast being back covering hockey? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I they were nice enough to ask me if I wanted to cover the series for the SMI website. And I said yes. 
And, you know, you're right about my hockey roots. My first pro beat at the Daily News was the Islanders in the late 90s. It was a, a lot of bad teams. Well, horrible, goodness. horrible. <laughs> One of my first introductions, I told this story the other day um, to hockey writing was uh, I had to go out to Long Island to a courthouse because there was some court hearing about something to do with the Coliseum and the Islanders, something, some crazy thing that I can't even remember. And Stan Fischler, who was living in Manhattan, asked me for a ride out there. So I'm riding out there in my Honda Civic with the, the Maven in the passenger seat, and we're going out to cover a court case with the Islanders. I'm like, where's the big thing of ice that I was told was he was going to be part of this uh, this deal? And, and so I think that was even before I even covered a game. Uh, if you can imagine that, JJ. So yeah, I do have some hockey roots. It's real nice to get back to them, especially in a playoff atmosphere like the Garden, with the place has been rocking. I've only done the home games, um, uh, you know, in person, but it's been really tremendous. The speed of the game is just intoxicating, and you know, the, the incredible skating and the power and the physicality and the artistry of all the hockey. I mean, hockey in person is a wonderful thing to witness and. To be able to work on it is just great stuff. It's really fun, and I've enjoyed getting to get into the series a little bit, and and you know expand my horizons on 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 my hockey knowledge of current day. Well, guys. it's been a fun series. Uh, home ice has basically dictated yeah. the terms. No road team has won. So if the Rangers are going to win this series, they got to win a game seven on the road. I picked Carolina. Full disclosure at the beginning of the series. Now I own it, Anthony. I am not dialed in regular season throughout, but playoff time, I parachute in. I get into <laughs> it. I own it. I I think you got to be fair and balanced and honest with the audience. I think the Rangers got something here, though. I think Shusterkin playing the way he's playing oh, in that. Yeah. Ronta looks spooked the other night. Yeah. I mean, he gave up some soft goals to the Rangers. I wonder if there's a carryover going into Game Seven. I think scoring first is huge. I think it will, in many ways kind of dictate the terms of how game seven is going to be played. But I got a feeling the range is going to win this bad boy. I really do. JJ, I too picked uh, in my, in my series preview for the SMY website, I picked Carolina in seven. And I do feel like the Rangers are going to pull this game out. You know, they figured out how to win one in another barn in the Pittsburgh series. And I think they got an education about, about the way that the, the difference between the garden and Carolina in the, in the game Four, game five, game six, you know, sort of swing there because they played great in game four. Everybody thought it was going to carry over to Carolina and then they just got boxed there and slogged down. They were slowed down. There was no space for their for their skaters to move around and get some offense generated. And Carolina was just the better team there. And then the, the you know, then the Rangers bloomed again in game six. And so I think they know that that letdown sort of looms for them if they let it happen in Carolina. Uh, in game seven. And I think that they're going to, they're going to, you know, I think they heard when, when uh, Gerard Gallant said that they looked tired uh, in that game five, I think they heard that and they responded and uh, I'd love to hear what he's telling them behind closed doors to get him going I was for game say, seven. Can't pull that for game six. No, but I bet he's, he, you know, he, he called them soft in the first round that and worked. It worked. Then he called tired. them tired. You know, I don't know what's next, but it might be something interesting and it might have an effect on game seven. And I do think they have a shot. It'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, and you're right about the, the Carolina goalie. He played great early in the seat in the series. And then he hasn't been the same recently. And, you know, Ronta, the last time somebody had this stat, the last time he played 12 or 13 games. He's been in a, a backup his entire career. Right. In a 28-game period. It was like four years, a 28-day 28, 28 period, excuse me. It was like four or five years ago. So he could be exhausted. I mean, that could be part of this 
you know, the whole thing with him not looking uh, himself and, you know, recently. So that may impact it. And, uh, you know, so the Rangers have something to shoot at. Anthony McCarron, check him out. SNY all over the place working with me. <laughs> uh, writing all sorts of great columns. You see him on Baseball Night in New York. And you're forever known now as Tony Pucks. I don't Sorry, mind. I like, I like the I like nickname. It. Yeah, I'll take I it. I like it. I was I mean, going to say, you're just going to be sick of me calling you that in like middle of July when it's like a thousand degrees. I mean, if, like, SN, if SNY springs for some Tony Pucks t-shirts, JJ, I mean, I mean I we'd mean, all wear them, right? I, I mean, want one. I'll put it in the Zoom background <laughs> and away we go. Buddy, don't be a stranger. Keep up the good work, all right? Thank, thanks for having me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Anthony McCarron to voicemails, 917-382-1151, where we make some magic. Why waste any time? Steph, let's get right to it. JJ, it's back from Huntington Beach, giving you a call again about my Rangers. I mean, what else can you say about a huge win tonight? The young guns step up again like they've been doing all playoffs when we need them to. Heedle with a couple. He even got Mott coming up with a big first goal to open it up. Igor doing Igor thing. All right. And, uh, yeah, you get a big win tonight going to Carolina. Now it's been a different story in Carolina. The entire playoffs, no matter who goes into that place, but all you can ask for is a shot. They're heading down there for a game seven. You chased a couple goalies already in this playoff. We have Igor back there, back stopping and. With him back there, I feel confident. So I think we get there and do it. So let's go Rangers. Let's get it done. See you with Tampa. Have a good one. Matty is fired up about his hockey team, as he should be. They had a complete performance in game six. They got off to a fast start in game six. The question is going to be, how do the Rangers handle playing and winning in Carolina, which is something they have not done over the first six games of this series. I think scoring first would be enormous. Set a tone. Especially with Carolina having their struggles against Igor Shesterkin. It's where a team can get tight. Put the pressure on the Hurricanes right out of the gate. Will the Rangers be able to do that? I think it's a major, major key in trying to win this game. Score first. Not going out on much of a limb by saying that, but it's something they did in game one. They had a chance to prevail. Final three minutes didn't go their way. Game two, did not. Game six, or game five, excuse me, did not. They've been a different team. Both of these teams have been different teams home as opposed to on the road. You got to hope that Shesterkin is going to help you crack that code. Okay, who's next? Hey, what up, John? It's Mike from Stanford. Um, I don't know when uh, Domingo Herman's getting back. I think pretty soon. or I don't know. You, uh, but anyway, when he gets back, uh, I think we're going to need him in the bullpen. That could be a great arm in the bullpen. Uh, I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on that. What, uh, what can we use him for? Uh, or best season for. 
All right, peace. Go Yanks. Fair question with Herman. I mean, with the way the rotation is currently cooking, he's not starting games. So the Yankees could use another arm in that bullpen. But what I didn't understand about today's game, uh, and it's not the reason the Yankees lost. Listen, the, the reason the Yankees lost this game is they scored two runs. Same reason they lost Saturday's game. They didn't hit. They didn't hit at all. Marinaccio over Schmidt was puzzling. I think Aaron Boone's got to realize he's got something in Clark Schmidt. He has not trusted Schmidt with those high-leverage situations yet. And I think he's making a mistake by doing so. Right now is the perfect opportunity for somebody to go and step up in this bullpen. You're a couple of weeks away from Herman being that guy. Schmidt is somebody who should be getting more high-leverage spots. Stuff is too good, and the numbers so far this year have been way too good. All right, who's next? JJ, Steve Strom, Miami Heat. Ah, oh, man. You know, I got a ton. I don't know if there's a voice limit on this thing, but um, first of all, congratulations to the Boston Celtics because I still think through and through that they were the better overall team, um, and they happened to be just a tad healthier at the time. But I think the better team won this series. I think for Miami, uh, the starts in the first quarter absolutely killed them this series. It felt like they constantly needed to climb uphill uh, in this series, and the games that they won they were really winning by the skin of their teeth where Boston had a lot more emphatic victories. Um, you know, we talk about the health all the time, but the Miami Heat are unfortunately just a, a little bit on the older side. And we saw that with P.J. Tucker only playing in the first quarter. Uh, tonight, Kyle Lowry was in and out of the lineup the entire postseason. And those are your guys that you need to step up. You can't say anything less about Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, Derek White stepping up in a big way. They had different guys that stepped in, so I'm very excited uh, about the NBA Finals, but obviously disappointed um, that the Heat couldn't uh, figure out a way to pull it out here in Miami. And one last thing also. This whole thing about the Miami crowd, you got to give them some some credit for tonight. They were incredible. Really loud. Very electric atmosphere at FTX Arena. Don't kill them about the traffic, because that's what it is. All right, JJ. Good talk to you, man. Steve, my pleasure. Good call from South Beach. Look, the Miami crowd, and I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so you know I know a thing or two about the Miami crowds. Look, sports in that city is always going to have a secondary role when you consider what is in front of you out on South Beach and in Brickell and the weather and the women. I mean, like, uh, yeah, like, it's a little different down at South Beach than it's going to be in New York City. It just is. Have their crowds been plenty fraudulent for plenty of years? Yes. Were they good tonight? Yes, they were good tonight. They were good tonight. They were into the game. They were in the game from the get-go. They all rocking the wide. It felt like the place was loud. It felt like a good amount of the place stayed. I would hope that you would stay for Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And look, Boston was the better team. You saw that when Boston was at their best in this series. Miami had no answer for it. And what killed Miami, good point on the first quarters, the lack of consistent secondary scoring. And that's where the loss of Tyler Hero really killed this team because Struz was way too inconsistent. Vincent was way too inconsistent. Oladipo, for the most part, was an absolute stiff. Bam, way too hot and cold. Played really well in Game 7. Give him credit for Game 7. And I think when you combine Miami, 
the fatigue of the last 48 hours, the fact that Boston was flat out better, I'm sure a lot of that was going through the mind of Butler as he's popping that three with a chance to win a game. You're down 11 with two minutes to go. He's probably saying, fuck it. We don't have a better chance than right here and right now with me popping a three. Whether it's a good shot or not is besides the point. I think that's what Jimmy's thinking. I got to win this game right here and right now. Didn't make the shot. He makes the shot. I mean, the legend of Jimmy Butler goes to another level. The finish of that game got way more chaotic and way more interesting than I ever could have imagined with like two and a half minutes to go. Finally, about time. Hopefully the NBA Finals is going to live up to some drama and some juice and some billing because the postseason as a whole, not great. Not great in the NBA. All right, last but not least. JJ, how's it going, man? This is John and Mastef. Want to talk about the Yankees. Uh, Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo. These two bozos have got to get the hell off the team before they end up costing us the division, a playoff spot, and possibly more. Get this. There are 314 players that have at least 71 plate appearances. All of them have more extra base hits than Aaron Hicks, who has over double that plate appearances at 145. Let me say say that again. 314 players have at least 71 plate appearances, and each and every single one of those players has more extra base hits than Aaron Hicks, and he has 145 plate appearances. And Joey Gallo, 253 players have at least 100 plate appearances, and Gallo has only more hits than just 13 of them. These two pieces of dead weight got to get the fuck off the team. It's one thing if they're having good defense to Joey Gallo smashing 25, 30, 40 home runs, he ain't doing that. He ain't that guy no more. Hicks ain't that guy no more. Hicks got to retire, put his ass on a golf course and be happy. Bye. You know what they say about batting lineups? When you go from hitting fifth to hitting seventh to hitting ninth, there's only one more place for Joey Gallo to go. I mean, the fact that Joey Gallo is hitting behind Trevino, IKF, and Matt Carpenter, who they signed off the street, is telling. Listen, Hicks, the contract is a disaster. I don't know how the Yankees are going to play it because they still owe him for three more years. Cashman's got to take the L on Joey Gallo. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He does not have the mental makeup to handle New York, i.e. Sonny Gray. We've seen it with plenty of guys over the years. Let him go somewhere where there's no pressure and there's no stress. He can hit his 35 home runs and hit 200. The Yankees need a more complete outfielder. I'm going to be banging on this damn table all day, all night for the next few months. Andrew Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi. You want to talk about a guy who would fit the Yankees to a T? I said it last year, and I'm going to say it again this year. Go and get him. Trivia time. So, trivia returns on a Sunday. Not sure about what our... Schedule is going to be voicemails, lives. A lot of it is kind of hanging in the air, depending on what the Rangers do. But we yeah, are coming off a good trivia performance. Can it be back-to-back quality trivia starts and performances? Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Larry in Florida. I know you're ready for me. Let's hear it. What up, JJ? Larry in Florida. Here we go, a little trivia. What two major leaguers since the start of the 2015 season have played the most games? And the second one is, what active pitcher has the most starts without a complete game? I'm out. Wow. A couple of interesting questions from Larry in Florida. Active pitcher with the most career starts without a complete game. It's got to be somebody that's been around baseball for a long time. It's also got to be somebody who's not, I think, a household name, or maybe there are, you know, restrictions or certain little variables in play. Man. That's a, I don't even know where to go with that question. Stefan, would you say an American or a National League pitcher for Larry's uh, second or first question here? This guy is in the American League right now. He's an American League pitcher, but has he spent most of his career in the American League is my question. Um, He has bounced around. He, he bounced around. Okay. Okay. But he spent the majority of his career in the American League. I'll give majority you Majority of his yeah. career in the American League. Is it Rich Hill? Mm. You know, he's been around forever. That's why I was going in that direction. Not to be. I don't think this is a correct answer, Stefan, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. There's no way it's Sonny Gray, right? Mm. I didn't think so. I'm taking one more stab at this. I have no idea where I'm going. Most career starts without a complete game. Active pitcher. I am I am very perplexed. Very, very, very perplexed. Alex Cobb. I have no idea. I I thought I threw a couple of decent guesses out there, but not to be on that question. Who would it be, uh, Stefan? Jake Odorizzi. Well, I was on the right track with a Tampa Bay Ray going with Alex Cobb. Odorizzi has never thrown a complete game. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. All right. So two players now in 2015, most games active. Choice one, Stefan. I am going to say Jose Altuve. Mm. Oh, that for one. Choice two, Stefan. Jose Ramirez. Mm. Oh, man. We are whipping. 
We we are not following up what was a good trivia performance with back-to-back good trivia performances. All right. Francisco Lindor. I mean, I'm trying to think of guys who play every day and don't have a whole lot of off days. Clearly, this is not working out particularly well for me. My goodness. All right, I'm throwing out two more guesses, then I'm waving the white flag on trivia because Larry just kicked my ass. All right, two more guesses. Stefan Xander Bogarts. Man, this is a sad performance. And then the last one I'm going to give you is Mookie Betts. It might have just sounded one more time. Well, who, who the hell is on the list? Paul Goldschmidt. He does play every day. Okay. And Manny Machado. Another guy who plays every day. Good job, Larry, in Florida. Listen, we take the L's. We own the L's when they're real and they're legitimate. That's as legitimate as it gets. Oh, my goodness. That's what you call taking it to the woodshed. You took me, my friend, to the woodshed. Give you credit. We'll be back with a vengeance hopefully next week. All right, Jeff Money. Before we say goodbye, good job with the Celtics. The million-dollar question, are you riding the Rangers in Game 7? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here to handicap our picks. It's going to be for tomorrow, Monday the 30th. There's only one game in action that we care about. That's the NHL game. Now, I'm going against the trends. I've been taking the Rangers every game, getting great value. I'm taking the Rangers plus the 130. I know it's going to be a tough game, but I know if they can play like they'll just at least a little bit like the way they've been playing at home, they can pull off the victory. So I'm going to take the Rangers plus the 130. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. I want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money, a man of the people, giving the people exactly what they want to hear. Rangers plus money, Rangers game seven. And remember, right after game seven, Spotify Live, your live calls and reaction. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, Follow me, John Zustrevsky. You'll get a notification when we go live. You'll get a board. Or if you want to listen on the Spotify app, you can do that too. We will have the live with the little flare posted as a Monday night pod. You don't want to miss that. Are we talking about a conference final or the end of the Rangers season? Good work by Stefan. We think of all our fallen troops. Can't forget about them here on this Memorial Day. We are thinking of their families, of course. Enjoy the Monday. We'll talk to you in about, I don't know, a couple hours, depending on when you're listening to this bad boy. JJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>